Hey, I'm Gina Keeping, ex-classroom teacher turned mindset and business mentor. Not too long ago, overwhelm and stress was my norm. Now, I have created a life where I help entrepreneurial women create an unstoppable mindset and teach them how to grow and scale their own businesses, all while getting their own gifts out into the world and creating an impact. Welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast where each week I bring you an inspiring person or message where we talk about all things life and business related, where our conversations are real, the information is inspiring, we have a splash of fun, we have lots of laughs, and we dive into life lessons and deep conversations about all the things. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. On today's episode, I talk with Erin St. John, who's a local potterer here in St. John's, Newfoundland. She is the owner of Saucy Pots Pottery, and chances are you have seen her art everywhere around the city and beyond. I absolutely love pottery, and if you know me, you know how much I love my pottery mugs. So it was so much fun talking to Erin, and she reminded me how to tap into my own potential when it comes to creativity. And she shares a lot of tips, tools, and strategies how you can do that too. We also talk about what it's like to really show up as yourself, even when it's going against the norms. One of my favorite things about Erin is she just shows up as she is with her beautiful light and she is just so authentic. And we talk about what that means and how you can do it too. That's just a small glimpse into today's episode. Go grab yourself a cup of tea and have a listen to the whole thing. Hope you enjoy. Well, welcome, welcome, Erin Callahan St. John. I am so excited that you are here on the Keeping It Real podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm so excited. Oh, me too. Me too. And I can't wait for everyone to hear your story and who you are. I obviously know you to bits and I will not do it justice if I do an introduction So can you please just take a moment and tell our listeners who you are, what it is you do, and a little bit about your story? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a second-generation potter. Um, I run Saucy Pots Pottery, which is a uh, family-run business. Um, My teacher has been my my aunt, Isabella St. John, and she's the the creator-owner of Blue Moon Pottery. And she started that business in... um, the early eighties doing pottery and, uh, in the outer battery. So now I've taken over that space in, uh, the outer battery. And so that's where I work and sell my pottery from. That's amazing. And I love that it's such a family oriented business. Can you tell me a little bit more about the process of how you took over this from your aunt and maybe even a little bit about how the process began of her teaching you this beautiful craft? Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, when I was 13 years old, my aunt, uh, brought me into her studio and I started doing production work with her in the summer season, which is her busy tourism season. And so we did like an actual formal apprenticeship and had funding and that was amazing. So I learned hand building, uh, mold, mold making slab work. I learned on the wheel as well. And, um, So right now my work is based out of uh, predominantly hand building slab built work. And um, so it's a little bit different than, than my aunt. She has always worked on the wheel and worked with porcelain and creating these gorgeous, refined, beautiful pieces. Um, And so my work is a little more rustic and in look and (laughs) feel, I guess, because I have uh, a lot more like, uh, I focused a lot on language. And um, so that started with Newfoundland slang, Newfoundland sayings, and then just got rowdier and rowdier. So now I do a lot of curse words, like still motivating and exciting, but like just rowdy, like curse words all the time. So that when I first started doing curse words, people just lost it. They were so excited. I could not make enough like fucking fuckity fuck fuck cups. And <laughs> now they're like morphing into like, don't fuck with my mindset, which I'm so excited about. And I uh, love that. So and that one, I do have to say, it's my ultimate favorite, <laughs> obviously. And I use mine all the time. And even so I have all my pottery mugs like up on the shelf because I absolutely love pottery. 
and yours always makes me smile. And I just <laughs> love the rusticness. And I just, I think it's more, it's too, because I know you and it just, it's just such a beautiful experience for me to have that mug in my hand. And I'm like, yes, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good to hear. <laughs> Yeah. And then this past year we started doing custom orders too. So now you can actually like choose your own sayings to have on mugs and like that can be something really personal or motivating or, you know, like something uh, like some silly joke in your family too. So that's been really exciting being able to um, create pieces like very specific and personalized for people. And that we really started doing that last year. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been a nice slow progression. And we've even done like uh, conference gifts as well. I've done oh, like weddings yeah. in the past. And what else? Um, we recently did a uh, custom order for First Light and they had a big conference culture camp. So we did a, a series of 150 cups for them. And they were like land back, First Light culture camp. What else do they have? Um, a couple other sayings can't remember off the top of my head right now, but that was our most recent custom order. That's amazing. And it's so funny how uni the universe works. I had my, one of my really good friends, she wrote me yesterday, Aaron, I'm not even kidding. And I've been looking for um, some type of merchandise to put my own thing on. And she wrote me and she said, you need to do a pottery mug with your own slogan on it. And I'm like, yes, of course. And now you're here and you're telling me this. So we're going to be chatting after this podcast. Absolutely. That would be so much fun. I just got really excited. <laughs> My husband, oh, I hope yeah. he can hear me. He's going to be like, no, no, no. Perfect but, timing. Oh, absolutely. And I just, as you know, I just have this thing for pottery and it makes me so happy so why not put something on a mug that I can relate to and then make somebody else even happier? I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be amazing. I'm so excited to work with you on that. Yeah, so anybody else who is looking for the pottery <laughs> mug, you can't get it until after I get my order in, but then look, look her up and get it done. Um, I want to go back to your story a little bit. Um, at the age of 13, when you stepped into the studio and when you were learning this work, did you know at the age of 13, this is what you wanted to do as your career? Or was it something that you were just dipping your, your toes in, we'll say? I mean, I was, I'm obviously inspired by my aunt's uh, life as a potter and running her own business and um, being so independent. Um, so that was always uh, exciting for me to see that, like to have a role model like that in my life. Um, so... I've always been interested in art. I wasn't sure at that age if I was going to be a potter specifically, but I knew I would do something in art. And that has always been just accepted, I guess, for me. And uh, being self-employed has also been really enticing for me, being able to have that control over your life and decision, uh, like deciding everything, you know, like, what your week is going to look like, you know, are you going to be able to take a month off and go travel the world or something, which is really also very important to me. Um, so it definitely took a little while. And um, I found a major influence in my life was attending the College of the North Atlantic Textile Studies program. And that really was a game changer. In my life, uh, my father actually completed that program 35 Aww. years ago when it was a slightly different organization. Um, I think it might have been more extended studies or the craft school at that time. And it was more geared towards weaving and producing weavers and a bit of everything else like color theory, drawing, all of that. Um, and then fast forward a couple decades, my aunt also attended that program when she was a mother and, and in her business already. But at the time, she identified as a craftsperson. And then when she went to this program, the textile studies program, she came out as an artist. And that really changed her perspective on herself, her business and her role in, in life. So that was super exciting. And then when I was, when I graduated high school, I was kind of like taking some drawing courses and painting with local artists. Um, 
like uh, Gerald Squires, um, Jim Monder, uh, attending the group of 77 for almost a whole school year, basically learning drawing, um, practicing. And that, um, that was sort of like a thinking period before going on to the College of the North Atlantic. But, uh, but yeah, my aunt suggested that I take that two-year program in textiles. And I made a whole group of friends uh, join this other community in town. It's really an art school on Duckworth Street. It's still there. It's amazing. And it's life-changing. It's like the best two years. I would recommend this program to anybody considering anything in textiles or art, anything like that. So from there, I was able to transfer right to NASCAD in Nova Scotia. And so I did, I arrived there just in time actually to, for them when they opened, um, launched their new campus, uh, the Port Campus. So that was 2007, 2008. And uh, so I got to break in brand new equipment. Oh it was <laughs> right on the waterfront. Like imagine an art school where the keg is downtown. <laughs> oh my goodness. So that was incredible. Like floor to ceiling windows, the best amazing location. Um, so that just was beyond inspiring and had uh, like big giant gas kilns, blow kilns that you could fit you know, six foot sculptures in there. And a lot of the teachers starting, um, a lot of the new teachers they had at that time were doing sculptures. So we had large scale sculpture teachers that were making huge sculptures, like as big as you oh or bigger. Goodness. And so that was very exciting and really showed me into a new, uh, you know, pointed me in a new direction with ceramics and, and thinking bigger, thinking sculptural and, um, yeah, getting a lot more ideas than stepping outside really the functional pottery and just going big. So really got to explore there and meet again, a huge community of potters, sculptors. And, um, I mean, it's just a huge art scene there. And I got really into uh, craft history and art history as well. I did an art history minor as well. So yeah. That was very, Aww. very exciting. I love how you light up when you talk about your experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems like you had a fantastic community, even starting from young. You had people who influenced you in a positive way to really tap into your creativity. How important would you say it is for anybody, regardless of what craft they're in, to be surrounded by a community that supports the way you're thinking? Oh, it is crucial for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, certain comments can really like get us down or feel isolated. Um, but when you have this like whole group and community of people doing the same things as you or thinking creatively and uh, challenging the Monday to Friday, nine to five life, uh, it's so important. It's so important. Um, shortly after graduating from NASCAD, I also had a studio at the plantation. And, uh, so that is a craft hub and it's all local craft. So that was a really amazing experience. Again, um, fitting into this tourism business model where you're super busy all summer long and then off season, you produce and design, create new products. Um, and yeah, take a break after the summer <laughs> yes, season. <laughs> so I, that was amazing. And that was four, four or five years there. Wow. And when did you take over the ownership of your aunt's um, location? That was in 2019. So that was, uh, yeah, that was kind of figuring out what to do next, what to do next. And my aunt was, uh, Isabella was toying with the idea of retiring. So she decided she did not want to run the storefront anymore, which is exhausting. It's a lot of work doing retail. And then, you know, when you've done all that work creating products, you know, with ceramics, it's very labor intensive to turn around and then have to do all the work of selling is a lot. <laughs> I can so, imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, she retired from that and I yeah. was ready to come in and um, run the store and manage the store and then as well produce in her studio, which is all, all in the same place in the outer battery. And talk about views. You guys have a beautiful view as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so incredible. <laughs> 
Um, I have a question about how you stay creative. And I know we're talking about your realm right now in terms of your craft, but I think a lot of people who are listening, especially in the business world, we have to tap into our creative side in some capacity. But how do you stay up with your creativity? How do you keep that at your forefront? Like, do you have any tips or tricks? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I have a a mind that is just like constantly got ideas. I have an issue where I have too many ideas and not enough focus or not enough time or, you know, so I am like, always have ideas (laughs) happening all the time, which when uh, looking at my aunt, her way of working is she kind of has one idea and she focuses and works through that whole idea and that whole process. Whereas with me, I have 15 ideas and I'm working on five and there's like five on hold on the back burner, you know, plus the thing that I'm supposed to be doing this week. (laughs) I can totally relate. (laughs) So there's no shortage of creativity and ideas. Um, For me, it's, yeah, maintaining focus on the production line and trying to integrate one new idea at a time and pacing myself is definitely a challenge. Recently, my, I've been able to, well, since the restrictions with COVID have lifted, I've been able to like go in and visit my pop in his home, in a home. And uh, so I actually brought in like watercolors. My sister and I went in and we've been doing watercolors with him. Oh, so, oh my God, (laughs) make me emotional. But yeah, that's been another really cool way to connect with like, design and creativity and, um, you know, seeing somebody being able to like, uh, connect with that creative outlet. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Makes me emotional. Oh no, I can totally feel it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's been such an amazing, um, opportunity to just to share that with him and watercolors, uh, drawing and watercolors have been a big part of my life and, uh, drawing and painting has been super huge in getting me to where I am. (laughs) Yeah. And I think too, you do a really good job of making the time for the things that you need to do. And I think back to the nine, the five, um, this idea of how we're supposed to live, there's not a whole lot of time for play or creativity. So I feel for me, when I make those pockets of time to disconnect from the internet, to delete all my apps for the day, to not check social media, and even something as simple as coloring for me, that just sparks that creative outlet. And then it just kind of ripples from there. So I think it's also making sure you carve time to allow the creativity to happen. Because if you are all day long doing work and not even allowing yourself to look in, you're never going to be able to tap into that creativity. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of this year has been um, paperwork, administrative work, decisions, decision-making, and then marketing. So I don't really get as much time in the studio as I would like. So that is something that I'm working on uh, in the coming months to make sure that I get in the studio and have play time. I love that. I think every (laughs) single human, especially the grownups, should have their own play time. Like there's something about having fun. Now, I haven't shared this on the podcast before, but my husband and I are the biggest kids. It's nothing for one of us to come home and the Nerf gun is there waiting and saying, you have 30 seconds, run. Like We really make sure that we have play into our day. And I think it is so important. But as adults, we don't make that time. And it's almost like we're embarrassed to have fun. Do you see this with people in your life that are not tapped into the creativity piece? Yeah. So fun time, play time. I definitely recognize that in your personality when we did the disconnect to reconnect workshop in, uh, Bali East. Yeah. That was so much fun. <laughs> that was so much fun. And like when we went on like hikes in the woods and you had games organized and ready to go, like I could definitely tell, like for some people it was like, <gasps> what? Yeah. We're going to play what? We're going to play a game. I'm not ready. I can't do it. I'm nervous. Oh no, I'm not going to be good enough. You know, you could kind of see these thoughts running through people's brains. Um, So I'm really, really glad that you like introduced us to like fun playtime because it really is so important. 
And then if you take a look at them after, like everybody was laughing. And <laughs> if you remember the Hungry Hippo game that we played. So for <laughs> those people, beginning. <laughs> right? for those people who are listening, um, I brought scooters to a retreat that I hosted back in whenever that was like a year August. ago. Yeah. August was it. And uh, we, we played scooter time and I had this game that was organized but it, it had relevant information to what I wanted to teach, but we just had fun the whole entire time. And when people tap into that, people just lighten up to become, you know, versions of themselves. And I think we all have this inner child that's just dying to get out. So if you're listening to this podcast, I encourage you to find your inner child to have fun. Like I had still have water fights with my husband in the kitchen. I still have water fights with my nieces and nephews, but you don't have to have kids around <laughs> have fun and let that child out. You know, it just, I just think it's something that we should be doing on a more regular basis and not take ourselves so damn serious. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so easy to get caught up in like being an adult and making the right decisions all the time. Um, I was going to say earlier, that I used to teach as well, like do some like evening courses. Um, I've worked with kids and adults. And yeah, one of the main differences is that um, adults are really afraid. They're afraid of the clay. They're afraid to touch the clay. They're afraid to like make a mistake. And, um, you know, you really don't see that with five-year-olds who are just like squishing up all the clay, making a big old mess. And just like, you can see they're like grinning from ear to ear. They're so happy. So it's great to see like um, doing the adult classes, seeing someone go from nervous and scared to like so excited and pleased with this like product at the end, just to see that transformation of fear to excitement. I really, really am happy that you brought that up because there is this fear that we develop and we judge yourself on so many different levels that just imagine what we've done and what we've listened to and the stories that we tell ourselves that when we have a piece of clay in front of us, we are afraid to fail in making something wrong. Like there's such a huge lesson in that. You know, I mean, if you're listening, ask yourself, like what areas of your life could you just give in a little bit, you know, not take yourself too serious, lean into it, have some fun and look that fear in the eye and say, I see you, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I feel we build these walls up and we do the same things over and over each day to avoid the unknown, to avoid having the fun, to avoid the failure, but you got to grow. Absolutely. Right. And Tony Robbins says this quote that if you're not growing, you're dying. And I, and I truly live by that. I always want to be growing. Oh, wow. That gives me shivers. <laughs> right. It's pretty powerful. But if you think about it, it's so true. And this is why so many people are walking around with fear and feeling stuck is if you're doing the same thing every single day, there's no creativity. You're not even using your, your brain to its fullest potential. So of course you're going to be feeling stuck. So add a little bit of fun in there. Take one of Aaron's classes, learn about <laughs> pottery and you know what? There you go. <laughs> Call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, like clay, I mean, art in general, but yeah, clay and, and, and art are therapy. There. It's such a huge, important, um, I guess it's a huge release, you know, to like let go and, um, and just embrace whatever happens, you know, whether you're painting or drawing or sculpting, like we kind of start off with this idea in our brain of like, this is what I'm going to make. And when it doesn't turn out the way we envisioned, we really get down on ourselves. And, uh, I mean, that's something that can, well, as like a, as a potter, as an artist, to be able to create what you envision in your brain takes years or even decades to establish that uh, creative skill. Um, but yeah, it's still just so important even now, like whatever I'm six years in running this business, um, there's still things that I'll make with clay and they might explode or it could crack or that color just doesn't come out the way I had envisioned it. <laughs> and, um, and that happens with like master potters as well. Uh, things crack, things explode, even if you're 40 years in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Clay is brutal in that way. It teaches you a lot of lessons. <laughs> but you know what? That's a really beautiful metaphor for life really is that we often go into our adulthood with a 
preconceived idea of what it should look like. And then when it doesn't turn out exactly the way we want, we judge it. We put a lot of hatred on it, a lot of fear around it. But really, it's working with it, which brings me to another question that I really wanted to ask you. You know, when you're learning these skills and you're in, um, you know, learning different arts and stuff, you're not good at it the first time around. So in a world where perfection is often pushed, how is it that you navigate not being good at something at the beginning in order to get confidence in being good at it? Um, patience. Um, yeah, absolutely. Number one, um, having patience for yourself and, uh, yeah, giving your, yourself that like grace period to mess up and learn. Yeah. I, I definitely am experiencing that all the time. Uh, you know, whether it's in clay or business or administration or any of those things, yeah, practicing patience with yourself is really hard. It is so hard. It is. Yeah. And even letting things be imperfect too. I think that a lot of people stop themselves from even trying like a pottery class or, you know, going to an art class because they're like, oh, I'm not going to be good at it, you know? And it's allowing you to be in that sock, I'll call it, or in that period where you're not good at something because anything we've ever done in our whole entire lives, if we look back, we were not good at it first before we were good at it. So it's allowing yourself to, to really fail at something and learning from it, not quitting, but saying, okay, my first rough draft, that wasn't a good one. What can I do from here? How can I learn to make it better? And then we create the art, but it's in the messy where you learn. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, when my aunt Isabel started working in clay, um, she was 21 or 22. She worked with a master potter, uh, Margot Meyer, and she's a, a German potter who came here in, I think, the 60s, early 60s, possibly. Um, and so she was the first studio potter and she taught a um, immersive one year pottery course um, in the West Coast on the West Coast. And so you were on the pottery wheel every single day for a whole year. Oh and so with pottery, you can actually see your um, improvements. Like you can see your skill developing from day to day, from piece to piece. Right. So it's such a visual. Uh, um, it's, it's I mean, obviously, it's a visual skill, but you can really see your progress from day to day. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you really have to step back. But um uh, even in school at NASCAD, like teachers talk about making a hundred pots, making your first hundred pots. That's like a huge exercise when you're first learning how to make pots. And even just saying a hundred pots seems like such a huge endeavor. Um, but then, you know, if you're going to be a potter, you're going to make tens of thousands of pots. So your first ones are going to be shit. Yeah. So you make them and then destroy them, you know? You make a hundred and choose the best 10 and smush all the other ones, reuse the clay, whatever you're going to do. Um, but that's the way you got to approach pottery. And I would imagine a lot of things in life. <laughs> well, you took the words right <laughs> of my mouth. I'm like, man, like that's, that's life. You know, we, we have a rough draft and everything that we do. And even just because uh, I always look at the life lessons, I'm, you know, that's just the way my brain works. So if you stop and you take a look back. So right now, if anybody's listening and is in that messy season where they're creating their first hundred pots, just take a step back and look how far you've come. Oftentimes when we're in it, like if you never took that step away back from the pottery mugs or the pottery bowls, you would never have seen your progress. Your head just would have been down. So even just stopping, allowing yourself to look back at all your hardships, all the things that you've overcome and be like, okay, yeah, no, like I'm actually doing pretty great. But if you look at the the, the shit in front of you or the hardship in front of you. And just at that alone, it's really hard to, you know, continue with the momentum. So, I mean, that lesson could be applied to anything in life, life, business, you name it. I like it. Yeah. I'm also really trying to practice that more with everything in life, mm. just kind of 
stopping and trying to focus on like recognizing your growth, recognizing what you've achieved. I, I definitely, like I was saying before, I have like lots of ideas all the time. I want to do this. I want to do that. So I really do forget um, to stop and like relish everything I've accomplished, you know, whether it's small or large, um, when I, whether I've been working on it for a few days or years. Uh, really taking the time to like recognize your achievements is something I'm trying to work on. Absolutely. And myself included. Um, and this, so an exercise that I do for myself, and I also get my clients to do this as well, is if you are constantly beating yourself up and only seeing the negative, I create a win list. So at the end of every night before I go to bed, I actually write out all of my wins because our brain is designed to look for the negative. And if we allow that to happen, then we all know what the end result is there. So it's really just retraining your brain and looking at, oh, you know what? Like, even if today you're having a bad day and you got out of bed today, that's a win. That's how you get yourself to move forward. But if we focus on the things that we didn't do, we're going to see more of that. So this win list for anybody who is listening, if you are struggling and seeing all of your accomplishments, allow yourself to get into a practice where you actually actively look for the things that you're winning at. This doesn't mean winning the lottery or anything big. Like, it, it can be very small things or it can be big things like Aaron just said, but it's really training yourself to be like, no, I am doing pretty darn awesome. There's so many things that I'm winning at. I yeah. Love it. Oh, yeah. And I will also say that like since August um, and your introduction to like the mindful morning practice, like I've been doing that like Yay. almost every single day. <laughs> oh, that makes my heart so happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like, uh that was amazing. I'm so grateful for that, like teaching. And, um, so right now I find that I don't get to draw as much as I used to. I used to always keep like a, a sketchbook, but over the last five, 10 years, it's kind of merged into more journaling and writing. And so like doing this morning ritual has been so important with, um, connecting with that like creative drawing aspect of me and just like that physical action of like pen to paper is so satisfying. It just, it's really like cements and grounds me in the re like the rest of the day. So oh. super big. Oh, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> <laughs> and I um, really appreciate you sharing that because I, I mean, it's legit changed my life. I know that sounds corny and all those things, but those tools that I taught at the retreat, I, I'm so passionate and you saw the passion in me because it works and, you know, grounding yourself and starting your day off on your terms. It's just so important because most of our day we're putting out fires, we're being re reactive instead of proactive. So if we can just take that small bit of time for us to set the tone, the intention, the grounding. It's a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. And then like also that like piece of gratitude as well. So yeah. that really, really helps with um, recognizing your achievements and, you know, all the amazing people you have in your life. Yeah. Well, you're going to be on mine in the morning. I can tell, I can tell you <laughs> that right now. <laughs> um, I do, one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about is that one of my very favorite things about you, and I know I've already said that once, but I do have a lot of favorite things about you that I love, is that you are just <laughs> yourself and you are so authentic. How did you become to just love yourself for who you are and just show up as your kick-ass self that you do? How do you do that? Oh, well, this is how you get me emotional. <laughs> um, well, obviously, like going back to uh, my main like teachers have been like, <clears throat> excuse me. It's okay. <laughs> this my, is why it's uh, called keeping it real. <laughs> uh, yeah. So one of my like major mentors has obviously been um, my aunt Isabella and she is a uh, hardcore independent woman. Um, so she's, uh, been a major, major, major inspiration for me in every way. Um, my dad as well. Uh, he works with me doing pottery. He's my production assistant and oh has been God. basically for five years. Um, and, uh, so yeah, those, those are like two major important creative people in my life. Um, even uh, my aunt, Annie Laurie, like I have like really creative people on both sides of my family. 
my aunt Annie Laurie has always been into like watercolors and painting most of her life. And then um, my aunt Janice too, on my mom's side of the family, super creative as well and always working on something. So that's been really important for me to have these role models in my life. Yeah. And then, yeah, other major artists as well. So um, like Gerald Squires was huge, uh, a huge influence for me attending workshops, uh, like right out of high school as well. And uh, attending the group of 77, that really helped me um, develop my, uh, my drawing skills and that confidence. Um, teaching confidence and instilling confidence um, that was huge. And that was something um, that Jerry Squires also really helped to develop. Um, so I've, I've had a lot of serious, amazing influences. And then also at NASCAD, um, pottery and like uh, craft major influence have been like Doug Bamford and then like Walter Ostrom as well. And Sandra Alfoldi um, have all like really taught this incredible passion and for the history, history of craft, and um, really just focusing on all these like rock stars in our history. So that's been super exciting. Um, and then also right here with the, with like the craft council here and uh, the textile studies program, like that community is incredible. Um, really, really met um, an incredible uh, group of people there who have really been preserving uh, craft history and skills, craft skills, textiles, all of this throughout their whole life. And, and, you know, people who've devoted their lives to craft, um, has, has really been, uh, motivating for me to see those organizations like still thriving. Um, so yeah, even, uh, like an um, amazing teacher, uh, Katie Parnum and like Sarah Minty were incredible, like going through the textiles program. And, um, and Sharon LaRich at like the gallery in the craft council and Ann Manuel who have devoted decades of their life to, um, nourishing craft here in the province. So yeah, those are some of the influences in my life. No, that's amazing. <laughs> it makes my heart so happy to hear this because from somebody who is not involved in, in this craft. I didn't realize the support that was backing you and the amount of people that are lifting you up, that are pushing you to get your beautiful gifts out into the world. So that's pretty amazing. I love that. Oh, and also much more recently in my life, um, I met uh, Michelle Coyle, who runs a consulting business in uh, Washington, D.C. And so I've been taking courses with her. Um, so Impact Scaling School last May was incredible. Um, really learning how to uh, take care of everything, be an amazing boss, uh, grow your business, and um, and really develop and refine your skills. So that's been so helpful for me. It was an eight-week course last May, and it was so incredible. It helped me pivot my business from a retail like brick-and-mortar shop to everything online, obviously with COVID. And uh, the course was so amazing um, that I'm, I moved into the second program that they offer a mastery course. And that is a full year um, of uh, curriculum and coaching. So every Wednesday, we have a two hour class where the 10 or 15 students are on Zoom. And we uh, we go through and work through all of our like problems, issues, problem solving for the whole week. And there's oh, like wow. Michelle is there in the course, another uh, business coach, Wes, uh, who does almost more like, um, well, he's like spreadsheet master. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we also have a mindset coach. And, oh, wow. um, and, and so Michelle is the one who really inspired the don't fuck with my mindset. Um, and the way we, we as business owners, we have to protect our mindset. And especially in the beginning, like your mindset is the business, like you are the business and the beginning. And, you know, obviously once you like scale up, you begin to separate your from, separate yourself from the business, but yeah. from the beginning, you really have to 
um, you have to protect your mindset because how are you going to train or inform staff or customers uh, if your mindset is like down in the dirt, right? So that's been super motivating for me. And that was, uh, yeah, that was a course I started last May. I'm so glad you brought that up because I am a huge advocate for mindset. And I truly believe you can have all the skills in the world, but if you don't have a mindset to back it, then it's almost impossible to move forward in your business or in life. Like it is such an important tool. And I think, you know, just listening to you talk and and just see how it all unfolded there. I truly believe that you've developed a mindset that sets you up for success. You don't have a fixed mindset. It's a growth mindset. And you're constantly surrounding yourself with people who support your vision. You're working on your mindset. You know, the areas of your business and life that needs that attention. You're just doing it. And by putting yourself in the ring and in front of people who are already doing it, it's helping you up level. And I think that is so important that a lot of people forget is that they they kind of focus on the tactile stuff, but they don't actually work on their mind, which is the biggest tool that they have. I'm so glad you brought that up, which brings me to another question because you brought up the word a couple of times and I'm so glad you did. But confidence, can we talk a minute about confidence? Because so many people reach out to me and that is one of the biggest things that they struggle with. And yes, confidence and mindset go hand in hand. But what tips or tools or strategies do you have for our listeners to help them step into their confidence? Because maybe there's somebody who's listening who was like, I've always wanted to try pottery. Like, how do I do it? Or maybe they're in a, a position in their business where they don't have the confidence to up level or to move the needle in their business. What tools do you have that they could use to help with their confidence? Um, well, I mean, the first thing is definitely surround yourself with people who um, have confidence in you and having that supportive community um, whenever you can really uh, tap into that for sure when you're feeling down or whatever. And, and then and the reverse of that is also like be there for those people who you see are trying these new things. But yeah, I definitely um, flourished because of my teachers and my role models. Um, so, so reaching out and I guess finding role models, if you don't have that community nearby, obviously the internet has connected people in ways like we couldn't have imagined. So um, finding that online community, whether it's on Instagram or Pinterest or Facebook or whatever, TikTok. Um, that's connecting people who wouldn't otherwise be able to access your, you know, your work or the right community, you know, so connecting online, um, has been amazing. Um, our awesome friend, Teresa has, uh, an amazing group that I highly recommend. And, uh, so that's, that's something that I find a lot of motivation in and just that nurturing as well. Um, but yeah, I think really also trying to take the pressure off yourself is a huge, huge thing because I mean, so often like we can be the ones that stop something before it ever happens. You know, we set ourselves up with failure before we've taken our first step. So getting out of your own way is a huge, huge thing. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And I feel oftentimes that fear of failure or the fear of worst case scenario, or this is going to happen if I do this, number one, that usually never happens. The thing that you're fearing the most usually never happens. But I do believe that it's getting out of your own way and allowing yourself to succeed, allowing yourself to for first it to be messy, but just getting into the ring and trying it and navigating what could potentially make you happy. And it takes practice. You know, in my opinion, I believe that practice comes from repeating something over and over and figuring out how to make it work. Um, I just think of any skill that I've had, like I quarterback on a football team. The first time I threw a football, I guarantee you it didn't go where I wanted it to go. And the way that I became the quarterback was we didn't have a quarterback. Everybody stood in the black line. And my husband, who was a coach, said, 
see who can throw the ball the furthest. I, my ball went the furthest. I was quarterback <laughs> and, but I wasn't a good quarterback. And I'd say for four or five years, we lost every game and we were terrible. <laughs> um, now we're getting better. <laughs> so um, I think it is, it's in that repetition and allowing it for it to be messy and, you know, get letting go of this perfection, I think is huge because we had, I don't know where it came from, but we feel like we need to be perfect. Nothing's perfect. No one's perfect. And I don't know if it's the social media piece where people are sharing their highlight reels, which I don't think is a bad thing. But the comparison that we do in that realm, I feel is very damaging if we let it be the controller of our lives. Absolutely. Comparing ourselves to others is uh, a recipe for disaster. (laughs) I mean, there's like a certain amount that's kind of like, Uh, I guess like gives you a certain amount of um, competitiveness, but like you don't want that to be your main driver, I guess, Uh, really making sure you're like in check with yourself and uh, that that you actually really want to be doing what you're doing. Um, But I think following fear is important. And, you know, if you want to do pottery, but you're afraid, uh, if you want to start your own business, but you're afraid, then that's probably the number one reason you need to do it. Ooh, I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) And it's true. And oftentimes like we think fear is a bad thing, but I always say, get curious about the fear. Like if you are scared and nervous about something, it means that you're invested in it. I'm, I'm worried if you're doing something and you're not scared and you're not anxious, like then I'm like, Hmm, what's going on here? But I, I look at fear differently and I try to reframe it and say, Oh, this just means that, um, you know, I, it means something to me and there's something on the line here. So I think following your fear is such a good piece of advice. And just think about the things that you would do if you actually followed your fear and you had success in them. Right. I always say, and I, this is not my quote, but fear kills more dreams than failure ever will, because if you don't even try, you're not even giving yourself a chance and failure is only failure if you stop. So I try to look at that as look for the lessons. Um, One more question that I do have to ask you before we dive into the fun part (laughs) Um, is if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Hmm. Yeah, that is such a good question. Yeah, I think following your fear is definitely super important. And with regards to like starting your own business, Failing is just like another part of the step. There's, there's a lot of successful businesses out there that are on their second or third business, you know, bankrupt a couple of times or whatever. It's no big deal for super successful people to like have failed in a few businesses before they got big. Again, it's just acknowledging like, okay, this didn't work, but that's okay because I just learned so much from that failure. And like, for me, that can be even just like a pot failing and cracking or whatever, or, uh, an application for an exhibition or an application for a residency getting denied, something like that. It's just recognizing that you got to keep going and don't be afraid. Even if you are afraid, like totally embrace that and go with it. Some of my favorite experiences have been full of fear. So go ahead. I mean, It's hard to right now, but like, go ahead and buy that plane ticket, uh, (laughs) apply for that residency in another country, um, you know, try a collaboration with another artist, go ahead and explore. And um, yeah, the risk of the risk that I took starting my own business was terrifying and scary, making that leap Mm -hmm. from having a job. Um, but I could not have asked for a better result or, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better gift from myself was yeah starting my own business. Yeah. And it's funny you say that. Cause as you're saying that, like, I'm looking back at all the things that didn't work out for me. And I remember in the time when those things didn't work out and I'm doing air quotes, but I failed, it happened for a reason. And what came from that failure There's no way that I ever could have imagined the benefits that came from that. So I think from all the failures that I've had, it's allowed me to look at failure in a different way. 
Um, I recently had something that I wanted so, so bad and I, it didn't pan out. And when it didn't pan out, um, I was really upset about it. But in that upset, it allowed me to look deeper in myself and it gave me this beautiful healing piece that I didn't even know that I needed healing. Um, so I don't look at that as a failure and I'm not going to quit on trying to achieve that goal. I will achieve it. It just means that, you know what, there was a little bump in the road. I had to readjust and I'm going to go for that goal again. So I think it all lies in, you can't get rid of the fear. We're all going to have fear no matter what. It's a natural emotion. We have to stop labeling it as a bad one because it's not a bad one. But what you do when that fear comes up, I feel is what matters. And if you judge it, if you put fear on top of fear on top of fear, it's going to keep stacking, but it's looking at it and going, okay, I see you. I feel you. I'm going to act on it anyway. And the more you do it, the less control fear has over you and the less power it has. Yeah. And the more you can recognize it as a positive feeling and turn that fear into excitement. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Awesome. (laughs) You are truly amazing. I could talk to you all day. I feel we need to do a part two after I get my, Um, I would love to love to (laughs) part two. I can also talk all day. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So this part of the podcast is called rapid fire. So I'm just going to ask you a series of questions. And the first thing that comes to your mind, you have to say it. Are you All right. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who was your favorite spice girl? 40 spice. Nachos or tacos? Nachos. A nickname you used to have or still have? Earn. Earn. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm going to have to know more about that one. If you could travel back in time, where would you go? I don't know why, but uh Maybe check out like the Roman Empire or something. See, mm, see what that cool. was like. <laughs> yeah. Who was your favorite Harry Potter character? Uh, Hermione, I guess. Okay. Sunrise <laughs> or sunset? Ooh, sunset. I'm never, I'm not usually awake for the sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> you take a lot of beautiful sunset photos, by the way. Um, what's your go-to order from your favorite restaurant? Um, bad Bones pretty regular there and their uh miso chicken Ooh, i don't you know what i've never eaten there i'm gonna have to go there so good i've heard several (laughs) people say that and all the appetizers are amazing oh now i want it now i'm hungry (laughs) (laughs) i never loved brussels sprouts so much (laughs) oh i die for some some brussels sprouts i can't even say the word um what's your favorite word (laughs) (laughs) my favorite word whoa Oh my goodness. That seems really tricky. Yeah. Like, is there a word that you say often that you're known for? Mm. I mean, saucy is pretty, pretty on, like spot on. Like we have a really saucy, sarcastic sense of humor in my family. Love it. So yeah, saucy. I love that. Um, What's your go-to song if you need to get pumped up and have a dance? Well, I mean... WAP is pretty amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And then also this other song I listen to a lot is Casio by it's Jungle is the uh, artist. I'm going to have to look that one up. I don't know that one. (laughs) I'll send it to you. Yes, please. If you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Oh, having the most ideas throughout a day. Ooh, I, I can totally relate. I listen, we need to have a, a full conversation just on that. Pots, pots that I want to make. Yeah, I love it. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, to be able to fire clay in a minute. <laughs> I can I can honestly say nobody's ever given me that answer before. <laughs> Clay is such a long process. If I could speed that up, that would be amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, texting or talking? Unfortunately, texting. I probably text a lot more than I than I talk on the phone. <laughs> I don't really fair. like answering the no. phone. <laughs> That's fair. Describe yourself in three words. Um, driven, creative and unstoppable. 
Oh, yes. That last, I just uh, made a course called Unstoppable Mindset. So I love that word. <laughs> awesome. And you are unstoppable. If you were stranded on a I couldn't stop of- myself. <laughs> no, you don't need to do that. <laughs> if you were stranded on a tropical island and you had all the essentials, you had sunscreen, what would be two things you would have to bring with you? Um, clay, because I could literally make anything. Oh. And weed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know it should be really considered the essentials, but just in case it wasn't included, bring more weed. My (laughs) uncle would love you. (laughs) Yeah, that definitely gets me through self-employment. I love it. Um, Climb a mountain (laughs) or jump from a plane? Both, please. That sounds like a great day. You're like, sign me up. <laughs> yes. I've never jumped out of a plane before, though. So that sounds fucking amazing. Yeah. My husband has. I haven't. Um, if you were really hungry, would you eat a bug? Yeah. I mean, how many bugs have we yeah. eaten already in our lives? Very good point. Very, very good point. <laughs> um, would you say you're spontaneous or you like to plan things out? A hundred percent spontaneous. Yeah, totally. It like really hurts me to have to plan things out. Yeah. I, I could totally feel that about you. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Ooh, probably animals. Mm, me too. I think they got a lot more to say. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I think we could learn a lot more from animals. <laughs> this is a little bit more of a serious one. Best piece of advice you have ever gotten Um, that you wish you would have gotten earlier? Well, I definitely think going back to the mindset thing and protecting your mindset, because I've definitely spent a lot of time in my life, like being afraid of what other people think about me and like projections of scenarios. So um, yeah, I definitely think protecting your mindset, don't fuck with my mindset. I love it. That would have helped me a lot earlier. (laughs) You know what? I think it would help a lot of people, which is why I'm just going to ask you one further question, because I know a lot of people, they struggle with this. How do you show up and put away the fear of what other people think of you? Because I feel a lot of people struggle and they don't take action because of the fear what others will say. Do you have any advice for our listeners on how they can start that process? Well, it's definitely something I have struggled with a lot. And I think it definitely goes back to your mentors and having incredible people in your life that don't give a fuck Mm -hmm. so that you can like see that role model in your life. Um, So if you don't have somebody in your life like that, like keep an eye out, find role models that really teach you. uh, It doesn't fucking matter what other people think. Yeah. and. And I think, uh, you know, doing these morning mindset things, uh, journaling to remind yourself, like you're talking to you, uh, like my friend Kayla yesterday was saying, um, she started journaling and writing to herself and writing to her future self. And that was like, (gasps) so powerful to like, really, you know, instead of like, dear journal, it's like, dear Kayla in five years or like, dear me. Yeah. Focusing in on yourself. And, and starting to replace the like fear and doubt with love and support from yourself, um, which is so hard to do. It's so hard to do. And we are constantly challenged and like, um, you know, marketing and ads and, and social media is so much about like beating you down. And so we definitely have to be our number one cheerleaders. And mm-hmm. that is so hard to do. It's so hard to do and teach yourself. Um, But yeah, like you have said, with your affirmations in the morning, like we've kind of heard the opposite so much, whether it's from ourselves or others in our life, that we really need to write out these affirmations and hear them from us. We do. And I think that is so important because all day long we are being conditioned, whether we realize it or not, all day long we are affirming. It's just being intentional with the words that we say. I used to say this to my students, your words matter. And as important it is what you say externally, it's the same thing of what you say to yourself. It's so damn important. And if you're telling yourself all day long that you're not good enough, you better believe that you're going to find ways to support that belief. So it's really digging in 
And I love the piece that you said about having a good mentor, because that shows you that it is possible. And like anything else, it's a muscle, it's rinse and repeat, it's practicing it, it's strengthening it and doing it, even though you're scared and realizing, you know what, it's not that scary once you start doing it. And I truly believe that if you have people in your life that are judging you for being who you truly are, you got to get some new people in your life who really support what you're doing, the beautiful light that you have, all your quirks, all your funniness, like it's you and you shouldn't be ashamed of that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also like programs too, uh, provincially that are like uh, apprenticeship programs Mm -hmm. as well. So for business or small business, you can apply for programs um, when you find a mentor. And uh, there are other programs as well. I think even like Futurepreneur maybe has a mentorship program. Absolutely. Highly recommend. Well, Aaron, this has been absolutely amazing. And like I said, I could talk to you all day and we are definitely doing a part two. So, oh, oh, no, thank you for sharing your wisdom. And you are just truly an amazing person. So thank you for being here and thank you for sharing your wisdom. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Like, I'm so grateful for meeting you in August, attending your workshop. And uh, yeah, it's been amazing getting to know you. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much, everybody, and hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Do you struggle with limiting thoughts yourself? Maybe you are experiencing the imposter syndrome where you don't believe in yourself and your business and your negative reel is really holding you back. If so, I have a free resource for you. Head to the show notes and click on the link to get it. I promise you it will help you and therefore will help your business as well. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for being here. And if you haven't left a five-star review, please do so. I would really, really appreciate it. And if you or someone you know would love to be a guest on the Keeping Real podcast, check out the show notes as well and let's get you on the show. Hope you have the best day and thanks for keeping it real.